Growing up, my husband Aaron and his family did not have a lot of money. They lived in a really big, old farmhouse that's main source of heat was a wood stove. There was an oil furnace, but it didn't work well, so they didn't use it. Unfortunately, the house was not well insulated. It had old newspapers in it. And snow would even blow in under the front door. So this wood stove was a huge necessity for, to heat this big house during our cold Nova Scotia winters. They needed seven or eight cord of wood in order to last the entire winter. But they could only afford three. So that's what they bought, three. Plus there were some extra logs in the yard that they used. And in order to have the wood, they had to split it all by, all by hand with an ax themselves and store it themselves in their damp, unfinished basement. When they had it all done, they had no idea how they would keep warm for the whole winter. They had no chance. They would run out of wood by about January. Today we are exploring He Gets Our Anxiety. And we will be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. But before we dive into the scripture, I want to give you some background on this section of the Bible. In Matthew chapters 5 to 7, Jesus is speaking to a huge crowd, telling them what we call the Sermon on the Mount. In it, he talks about what it means to live in God's kingdom here on earth. And Matthew chapter 6 talks specifically about how to give to the needy, the importance of prayer and fasting, and the topic that we're going to be talking about today, which is how not to be anxious about anything, especially our money and possessions. Jesus says to the crowds, not store up treasures here on earth, because they're not going to last. They will get broken, stolen, or rusted. I asked my mom if she knew of any time that I had a toy that got broken or lost or anything like that. And she recounted multiple stories of my little brother who would rip the heads off my Barbie dolls, would take my electronic toys and bring them in the bathtub with him, or take a hammer and beat up my Barbie dollhouse. So our possessions are not going to last, especially when there's little brothers around. Jesus went on to say that no one can serve two masters. We cannot serve what we want, like money, possessions, selfishness, worldly living, anything like that, and God. We can't serve them both. We have to choose who will be king over our life, who will take precedence, and who will guide us. And if we choose right to serve and rely on God, the Lord over all, the creator of the entire universe, our Father, then we should not worry about what these other possessions can possibly give us. Jesus then goes on to say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than they, than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? 
And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet King Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. If only we could live like that, right? Well, maybe we can. Matthew 6 centers on trusting God rather than worrying, and that's what we will be focusing on today. And this leads me to my first point. Worry divides our perspective. Focus on what matters most. Worry divides our perspective. So focus on what matters most. In verse 25, he says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Charles Spurgeon once said, Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it only empties today of its strength. So true. Let's take a lesson from Jesus' own life here. Jesus never sinned, but he did get anxious, just like us. Like when he knew that he was going to be crucified the very next day, he sweat blood and begged God to take away this cup of suffering away from him. But he also prayed, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. He had unwavering trust in his father and his anxiousness was immense. I mean, it, it sweat blood. I don't know how anxious you guys are, have ever been, but I don't think we've ever sweat blood before. But even though he was so anxious, he did not sin. It was not sinful. For us, there are things in this life that are not in themselves sinful, but can lead to sin. So I want to say that anxiety is not a sin. But left unchecked, Anxiety can lead to sinful thoughts and behaviors. And sometimes it can be so difficult for us to deal with anxious thoughts, especially if we have an anxiety disorder. That happens to me. I have generalized, anxi sorry, generalized anxiety disorder. So I tend to be anxious a lot. But many people who are anxious do not have this disorder. So let me differentiate here a little bit. Everyday anxiety is a normal reaction to stress and can be beneficial in some situations. So I had a bit of anxiety before I came up here, but that helped me to prepare and to rely on God for all of this. That is good, that is good anxiousness, good stress. And it can alert us to danger and help us prepare and pay attention to things. But sometimes we can use it harmfully. Anxiety disorders differ from normal feelings of nervousness or anxiousness because they involve excessive fear. 
Anxiety triggers our fight, flight, or freeze response in the brain, causing us to overthink, to run from a situation, or to be paralyzed by fear. And you can have an anxiety disorder if this is a common occurrence. A counselor once said this to me, and it really made sense for whether or not I had anxiety. She said, anxiety becomes a disorder when it starts disorder in your life. So no, having anxiety, whether temporary or a disorder, is not a sin. But when, it, but when, whether it's a disorder or not, we let it take control of us, drift away from God and from others, and let it take us a dip, down a dark road, that's when sin can creep in if left unchecked and undealt with. But God wants to help, and that's where these verses come into play. So for anyone who's like me that has an anxiety disorder, doing everything I'm about to say is an important step in your everyday life to help you with it. But I also want to reassure you that sometimes counseling or medications are necessary as well to help us understand ourselves and to balance the lack of chemicals that are in our brain. So please don't think that I'm dismissing your feelings or anything that you're going through because I have been there. But I've also seen God move during my darkest times. And I know that he can help you too. So with any form of worry or anxiety, it can cause us to live a divided life where we look to God for spiritual help, but depend on ourselves for our physical needs. And that's not how God wants us to live. He taught us to rely on him for everything. Jesus is not saying physical needs are unimportant, but that there is something even more important. Building on the preceding verses in Matthew chapter 6 about our inability to serve two masters, Jesus says our perspective should begin with God's providence rather than our immediate need. God is Lord over our lives, the spiritual, physical, financial, relational, mental, emotional, and vocational. When we understand what matters most, we can be freed from anxiety. Well, you might be asking, what matters most? What does Jesus want us to focus on and not be divided from? Well, he says it right in verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He didn't say to focus on where you're going to get your next meal or how you will provide sneakers for your growing child, or how you'll pay month this, rent this month, or even of the unknowns, the job, the future, the possibility of oncoming disasters or emergencies. All of these things are very important to us and to God, and he wants us to care about them and not just sit around doing nothing about them. He wants us to work, to do our best, to love others, to care about what's going on around us. But not, he did not say to put them first. God did not say to put these things first. He says to seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you will need. The point here is not to worry about the physical necessities because such fretting suggests that our entire existence focuses in on and is limited to that. If one makes the right choices from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, there is therefore no reason that one should be anxious about these things. 
Jesus gets us because he cares about us. But the things that cause worry described here, like food and clothing, were never his cares. He knows what, it lo- what it's like not to know where your next meal is coming from or where you're going to sleep tonight or if you will be persecuted tomorrow. This was a daily occurrence for him. But his cares were ultimately on the kingdom of heaven. Everything else, he knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was going to provide for him, not just because he was the son of God, but because God is loving and he wants to care for everyone. Which leads us to our next point. Number two, worry diminishes from our position. In Christ, we are protected. Worry diminishes from our position. In Christ, we are protected. In verses 26 to 27, it says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Did you hear an interesting word in these verses? Valuable. Things of value are loved, treasured, and protected, and taken care of. Even if you do have little brothers around, you try your best to protect them. And if God does all of this with low-value birds, imagine how much more value we are by the creator and provider of the universe. We are protected from the enemy and his strategies, which are to turn the things that we should care for into intense anxiety. Jesus, therefore, is sending a warning in these verses. He doesn't want us to focus on the things that we think that we need more than him. Again, it's okay to plan. It's okay to care for others. It's okay to have contingencies, but not when it becomes bigger than our relationship with God. And he wants us to remember that this anxiety has no impact on our stature stature or length of life. When we worry about something, we actually think that we're helping ourselves because of planning every possible scenario so we can be prepared for all contingencies. I now know what to do if there's a fire in my house or if there's an earthquake or if someone gets hurt. I've planned it so much in my head on what to do. But instead of helping me or any of us live any longer, it only makes our life shorter. Research shows that chronic worrying can lead to negative physical issues from heart disease to substance abuse. And Jesus is trying to protect us from this. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Worry pulls us in so many different directions, making us prone to serving two masters, one which will hurt us and one which will protect us. God is the one who will protect us. And he's given us new life. And because of this new life, we can be free from our worries if we give them to Jesus. So you may be wondering, how on earth do I do that? I'm the type of person that I need step-by-step instructions. And so for anyone else out there who might need that, I got it for you. It is about mindset and action. Scripture gives us many ways to flip the script on anxiety. So here are four ways that we can start with that right now. Number one is refocus our thinking. 
Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see you are considerate in all you do. Remember that the Lord is coming soon. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one more thing. Fix your eyes on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keeping, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, from Paul, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will protect you. Paul is not telling us to worry, but God is Paul is telling us not to worry, but then immediately points to thoughts of what is good and true. That's how we are to think. Number two is emphasize gratitude. In 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Paul again says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. He reminds us to give thanks in all circumstances, recognizing that evidence of God's grace and provision abound even in the smallest things, like the cup of water you drank when you got up this morning, or your gas to get here today, or even the clothes that's on your back. Prioritize rest and reflection. God designed us to have a day of rest, which reminds us that our bodies and mind need time to unplug and rest. And because Jesus himself frequently escaped the busy crowds for times of quiet and prayer. And this also means for us, set a time apart without the phone. Even if it's just for an hour or two, once a week, put it away and on silence so you, won't be, so you will be free from the anxiety of someone possibly calling or texting you or possibly getting a notification. And doom scrolling on Facebook or TikTok or Instagram does not help either, trust me. <laughs> Lastly, seek counsel and aid. Scripture is filled with the importance of listening to wise and encouraging counsel from others. And at times, this needs to be from a trained professional who can help. But whoever you talk to who is trustworthy, tell them all that you're thinking and feeling and ask them to pray for you. They don't need to have an answer. But just talking about it can be a huge step with our anxiety. God is a protector of what he loves. And that includes every single one of you here today and those watching online. Don't ever let yourself think otherwise. But think back on all the ways that he has provided from small to large and flip the script of, on anxiety. My third point today is worry distracts us from God's provision. God is our provider. Worry distracts us from God's provision. God is our provider. Verse 28 says, And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies in the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet King Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. 
And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? And what will we eat? And where? When Jesus said, why do you have so little faith? He is not criticizing us. In this context, Jesus' tone was not scolding, but a coaxing and a reasoning. He was asking, do you trust your father or not? Not with a slap in the face, but with an arm around the shoulders. He was not belittling his disciples, but he was encouraging them upward. In other words, Jesus is not wanting to point out our faults, but is gently pushing us towards faith. This is an invitation to have more faith. And taking the step of trusting Jesus with everything, our money, possessions, family, jobs, and responsibilities, this can be so huge. And he wants us to grow, he, knowing that he will provide for us, for everything that we need. But sometimes we don't allow ourselves to take that extra step out of fear and anxiety of what may or may not happen. In an issue of CT Magazine, contributing editor Susan Wonderink writes, When I was a swimming instructor, I spent a lot of time trying to get the little kids to float. I would tell them to put their ears in the water and their belly buttons out of it, and I'd say, when I count to two, you won't feel my hands underneath you, but they're still there. As soon as I'd say two, most of the children would frantically jerk their knees towards their chin and flail their arms, dropping their full weight into my hands. Almost all people, when they assume a posture of rest, will float. But people who think they'll sink don't keep that posture for very long. Have you ever felt like those kids? Unsure of where to put your faith? Faith in Jesus is about a posture of rest. Many of us are terrified by a life of faith, needing always to feel the support of steady jobs or steady relationships and backup plans. But God, knowing that, has signed us up for swimming lessons. God intends to make a swimmer of us, and he is teaching us to rely on him in what seems like a disaster and that you may sink. And sometimes the outcome is way different than what we planned. But that is just the thing. We planned it, not God. Worry distracts us from God's provision because we're too set on what if he doesn't come through or what if he doesn't go with my plans. But he will come through with his plans. And taking that first step or the first float is how we show our trust in him and our acknowledgement that his plans are way better than ours. Which leads me to my fourth point. Worry dilutes our purpose. God's plans are greater. Worry dilutes our purpose. God's plans are greater. In verse 32, it says, these things, these, these things being the things that we need, like clothes and food, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. 
but your heavenly Father already knows all that you need. Do you know your purpose? Why you're here on earth? Well, whether you do or not, I can assure you of one thing. Our purpose is not to obsess over our daily needs. Nope, that is not why God made us. That would be a terrible life if that was, if that was our purpose. Instead, our purpose is to seek first the kingdom of God. Then to walk in faith that God will meet our needs. This separates us from those who do not follow Christ. They are watching us to see how we will react to things happening in this world. Therefore, when we get anxious, we need to demonstrate that even though there are things that we aren't sure of that's happening or that we might be concerned about, that we know who is working in the background, who is providing, and whose will is being done. Jesus is not ours. We can worry all we want, but it's not going to change anything. But honestly, that can be so hard when we turn on the news and see our broken world. Anyone turn on the news last night? I bet you felt pretty defeated afterwards. And sometimes we try to take matters into our own hands because God isn't working fast enough for us. We think that we know better than God who created the universe, the great counselor, the all-powerful one. We think that we know better. Yeah, saying it out loud, it sounds very silly. But our anxiety kicks in, and we do whatever we, is, we feel is necessary, including worrying about what's happening around us. But as we've seen, that isn't going to help us, but only hinder us. Seneca once said, He suffers more than is necessary who suffers before it is necessary. Being anxious does not solve a thing. We have to remind ourselves that God already has every single aspect of it figured out. He knows what will happen, when it will happen, and how he will get us through it. And we have to realize that our purpose is not to have all of these contingency plans, but to focus on the great planner, and his kingdom. So when these anxious thoughts happen, I have another great tool for you to use. So when you do these steps I'm about to tell you about, do make sure that you do this, okay? Make sure you put your hand on your heart because it's a comfort mechanism and helps you to stay relaxed and to feel comfortable. But here's a three-step, four-step system to help you relax when you have anxiety. Number one is awareness. I am thinking about blank. This is realizing that we are having those anxious thoughts and bringing ourselves back to reality because sometimes we do it without even thinking and recognizing the thoughts. Number two is acceptance. I am thinking this because. There's a reason why we are thinking the, these anxious thoughts. So make that clear so you can know why. Validation. It's okay that I'm feeling blank. Now, I'm not saying that it's okay to be anxious all the time, but I am saying that it's okay to have this thought at this moment because we are feeling nervous or feel 
fearful about something in particular. So don't beat yourself up. Here we are trying to keep ourselves or others safe, and that is okay. But these anxious thoughts are not the best way to do it. So it's okay that you are feeling nervous or fearful about whatever. And lastly, redirection. Help your emotional need. Just like I said, we are trying to help someone but stay safe by coming up with contingency plans. And wanting people to be safe is a good thing. But during this step, when we are worried, scared, or upset, or anxious, we must allow those emotions to be felt because bottling them up is only going to make them worse, and you are going to feel worse. Don't try to problem solve during this time, but reassure yourself instead. Say, I am safe because, or this person is safe because. Or you may be able to say, this isn't actually happening right now. Or maybe that is something like that is happening, and you could say, things aren't going great, but I know that God will provide because and talk to God about it. Tell him how you feel, what you need, and how you trust him. Our purpose in life is to live for Jesus in everything we do, and that includes when things are not going right. But we need to realize that we can't magically make everything better or go away by thinking about them 50 times. That's not the formula. God knows what we need, Trust that he will provide in his timing and in his way. Which leads me to my last point today, number five. Worry detains us from our priority. God's kingdom matters most. Worry detains us from our priority. God's kingdom matters most. Verse 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The climax of this section is verse 33, which is one of the better, better known verses in the Bible. Seek first his kingdom and live righteously. This is, in, is the theme and essence of all the Bible. When we have faith in God's care, focus on the Father, and put his kingdom first, we can overcome worry. That doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. Jesus' followers in the New Testament trusted him with everything they had, and they were persecuted and killed because of their faith in him. But that, means, that doesn't mean that they didn't trust him. They trusted him wholeheartedly and knew that this would be a dangerous task. They knew that God would provide. He provided food, shelter, speaking opportunities, traveling mercies, and freedom from prison over and over and over again for his disciples. And when they had completed their race for God's kingdom, which was their main purpose, he provided for them immeasurably more in the next life. Jesus' followers sought the kingdom of heaven first. Then God provided everything else. That means seeking to help others know more about Jesus and to live like him, to help build this world more into his kingdom. 
And then they won't need to be anxious either. This is living for today, doing today's work. Not thinking about what should have or could have happened in the past or what may happen in the future, but to work to build God's kingdom today and not focus only on tomorrow. Apply this next thought to your life, church. To seek first the kingdom is to desire above all to enter into, submit to, and participate in spreading the news of the saving reign of God. Jesus reminds us of the importance of living for the present day. It isn't wrong to remember the past or plan for the future. To some degree, both of these are good. Yet it is easy to become too focused on either the past or the future and let the day in its own trouble be ignored. God wants us to remember the past, plan for the future, but live in the present. God's saying to us today's grace is sufficient only for today and should not be wasted on tomorrow. If tomorrow does bring new trouble, there will be new grace to meet it. What a testimony to the world when a Christian dares to practice Matthew 6, 33. To show people that we care about what did and is and will happen in this world. But to also demonstrate how to live without fear, anxiety, and worry. Because we know who is in control and who is providing. People want that kind of life. And when they see us living it out, they will start asking questions. And this is the type of life that Jesus wants everyone to live. It starts with putting first the kingdom of God above all else. And then everything will be provided for. Today's sermon can be summed up in these words. To be devoted to Jesus, seeking his kingdom and a relationship with him, is to be freed from anxiety and worry that so often characterize the fallen world that we live in. Jesus gets our anxiety, and he has given us a formula to overcome it. He has called us to focus on what matters most, to rely on Jesus and all that we need, to remember that Christ, in Christ we are protected from this world and its worries, that God is our provider even when we can't see how he will provide. God's plans are greater than the ones that we come up with. And God's kingdom matters most. And this is how God will help us overcome our anxieties. My challenge for all of us is to take these verses to heart. Write them down if you need to and put them at your bedside or in your car or next to your work desk. Wherever you seem to be anxious the most, put them there and remember it and live it out. It probably will take a while for your body and your mind to really accept it. But keep doing it over and over and over again so it will be ingrained and it'll change your life. Like I said before, Aaron and his family had no chance of staying, having a warm house for the entire winter with only three quarter wood. They didn't know what to do except Pray for, to pray and ask God to provide, but to also keep doing his work to build his kingdom. As the winter was progressing, Aaron and his sister were bringing up loads of wood every day from the basement. 
as they did this, they realized that the rows weren't really going down. And the piles were staying at about the same height every single day. And they actually noticed this happening. And here's the crazy thing. By the spring, they had a little less than one cord left in the basement, so they had some left over. And they estimated that they burnt about seven cord that winter. They had enough wood to keep their fire going throughout the winter, even though they only bought three cord for every single day without going to get more wood. They could have been anxious over what they didn't have, how they would keep warm, and if they would have some real trouble by January. But instead, they chose to rely on God to be the great provider, and he came through above and beyond, and they even had some left over for next year. They chose to focus on building God's kingdom through helping so many people come to know him. And then he came through with what they needed. Church, Jesus gets us. And he will provide. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you that we know that we are your children and you love us more than the birds and the lilies and that you will provide for us more than these things as well. God, sometimes it can be hard for us to step out in faith and we feel like that we're going to drown or flail our arms and forgetting that you still have your hands underneath us and you are still holding us up and keeping us above water. Lord, I ask that you please give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom and the peace to be able to do that today, to be able to rely on you and to float so we can build your kingdom and to live for you in everything that we do. Help us to put your kingdom first and help us to help others come to know you, Lord. And for anyone here that's going through any sort of anxiety, I ask that you please bless them and help them to have peace and comfort and to trust in you to provide. We love you so much, God. And we ask this in Jesus' name.